If you're an Android user looking for the perfect podcast player to put under the Christmas tree or the Hanukkah bush, I believe, or whatever holiday it is that you celebrate, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There are thousands of great reviews touting all the wonderful features, so you can hear directly from the people who use it how much they like it and why they do. That's the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. If you're hearing this on the day of release, you are just a few clicks away from a whole mess of bonus content over on Patreon at patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. If you become a member of our Patreon mm-hmm. at the $5 a month level, you get a monthly bonus episode this month's, which may be up today. There's a lot of content dropping today uh, on the feed. But there's a full-length Back to the Future coming. There is a special secret commentary track that I'm excited to record. And 11 hours plus of bonus content in addition to that. You get all of that instantly when you sign up and become a member at the $5 a month level. And then every three months, you get a new bonus episode. Until... We hit our 150 a month mark, and at that point, there will be a bonus episode every single month for every $5 member. That's right, a bonus episode every month for a $5 level. Once we hit 150 bucks a month, we're halfway there. So visit patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s and learn more now. The things we're going to cut out in editing. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the show. Happy holidays. To whatever you celebrate, we hope you're doing all right. It's a tough time of year for a lot of folks under any circumstances, but this year is especially tough for a lot of folks. So Mm -hmm. we hope you're doing well. And uh, we're bringing this one to you a little early in the hopes that anybody who might need a little boost today, uh, if we can provide any sort of small boost for you, we hope that uh, we've done that. So hopefully you'll enjoy the episode you're about to listen to. And here's to a brighter tomorrow. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who has always found gifts under the tree, never a lack of present, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. I, you're going for the nice list, not a, not a, not a jab at poor people. <laughs> oh man, yes, that would have been, that's a really dark, really dark way well, to take it. In every this, every in Christmas this universe, like... Oh, look at the poor kids who don't get presents. Santa Santa works <laughs> well, on an economic scale. In this movie, uh, Santa is real, so all of that stuff is on the table. Uh, a movie I am genuinely thrilled to be talking about. I'm very excited for this discussion that's coming up. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, not because I liked the movie, but because I think there are a lot of things that I want to dig into with this. I was okay, yeah, like, okay. Just I will. So many notes, so many. I will notes. let you have that. Anyway, one. <laughs> uh, celebrating its 35th anniversary this year is Santa Claus: colon, The Movie with John Lithgow and Dudley Moore. We watched it, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your long, boring Christmas movie. Something's gonna happen about your long, boring Christmas movie. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. Hey, Dad, can you tell me about the Christmas when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Total agreement. 
on on the Christmas movie being long and boring. It is nearly two uh, hours, and the first yeah. hour has zero conflict. So, like, <laughs> you're not like I just from a a purely script write like technical technical script writing concept. If you have written an hour of movie in which there is no conflict, hit the backspace. Better yet, hold the backspace down because you fucked well, up. <laughs> You're allowed to make that mistake in your first draft. You don't have to delete it all. You just have to go fix it. Yeah, backspace. Well, no, it's not, sometimes it's like clicking, inserting a couple of scenes, adding some changes. You don't have to just wholesale throw out the whole bathwater and the baby mm. included. He, let, me, let me pitch you a uh, $500 rewrite on this movie that, that I think will change your whole thing. That's usually my job on this podcast. Okay. But I want to try that here because I I don't like this movie. I want to be clear. Like, I, spoiler alert for the end of the episode, I am not it's going to recommend it. It's got some charm, this. but it is just too boring. There are, however, a whole mess of things that I think make this movie really fascinating to talk about. Uh, starting with number one, my least favorite thing that is happening now in Reboot Mania 2020 is unnecessary backstory about a character who doesn't need you to do this. Uh, examples like the Nurse, Nurse Ratched show, which many people like, and it's fine to like those things. But Like all Ryan I, Murphy like, shows, it starts strong and ends in a fiery blaze. But it's not just that. It's like the solo movie. The, the, and the, I, I'm naming things that I don't personally like. I'm sure there are things that fit this category that are better and more enjoyable and i I, i'm just not coming to mind but like all of the bits that happen in those things which are like the movie taking time to aggressively nudge you in the ribs and be like hey hey it's the thing you'd recognize hey it's han solo's dice in the mirror hey it's whatever made nurse ratchet mean to the patients in cuckoo's nest i didn't watch the show in the 40s. Oh, okay. <laughs> now she's she's a member of the LGBTQ community, so that's why her whole life is bad. It's like explanations uh, really wink at the audience, like point at it with a red flashing light explanations for things that I just don't understand how anyone could give a shit about. <laughs> I like I agree. I I like the the stuff that bogs those things down to me as a viewer is the time when it's like Hey, it's the thing you like. Hey, look. And it's like, yeah, I I would have caught it if you didn't circle it with a highlighter. You could have just had it happen instead of it being like, uh, well, uh, well, then that little boy wouldn't get uh, a present this year. Well, what's wrong with Santa only bringing presents to the nice boys and girls? And then Mrs. Claus spiking the camera like Jim from the office is like, I don't need it. I would have gotten it on my own. I'm not that stupid. Yeah, I agree. So there's a lot of that stuff in this, which I think is fascinating. From a movie that's 35 years or 30 years, depending on when Reboot Mania like that started. I'm not sure of the exact time, 25 years, whatever. This movie does, it's like that stuff is somehow baked in in the Hollywood formula of it to me, which is just like mm-hmm. wild. Well, that's apparently, according to the the first paragraph on Wiki, that's like why they made the movie. They were like, they wanted to like answer questions kids had about Santa. And I was like, what kids? What, what so, sad, lo- like homeschool kids are you talking? Sorry, <laughs> that was rude. I'm sorry. 
like what sad lonely nerds six-year-old nerds were you talking to that were like but i don't understand why santa does that like no who did who who, who cared can you please use events from Santa's life to explain why he does these things? Like, the motivational backstory is really important to me. But, like, so what if Santa died and his afterlife is being grabbed by some elves and given eternal life? <laughs> yes, that is a, that I also I, there's like I said, I'm really genuinely thrilled to have this discussion. I think this is this is going to be fun in the way One Magic Christmas is fun. But One Magic Christmas is still fun. holds up as like is like you have to see this movie. You you are not prepared for the buck wild nature of this movie. Whereas this, I'm like it's really boring. Don't waste your time. But I think this discussion will be enlightening. Oh, I plan on watching my boyfriend and I. He's going to watch it for the first time. We're going to watch it Christmas morning after we do our presents because. We, I can't be around our parents this year, so we're right. going to pop two bottles of champagne, and we're going to watch One Magic Christmas. It's it's a hoot. I honestly, I, I think, I don't know like when we would do this, but eventually I would like to do a live commentary for it. I think oh, that yes, would be please. fun. I don't I don't know if that takes place as like an actual event with people sometime in the future, or we do it online as like a charity drive or something, but I've been stewing like on this style, idea of like- no, no, no! I want to do like MST3K, like, like, uh, just talk, like we did for uh, on the Patreon for uh, uh, Subway Camp. Yeah, that's what I mean. But you mean like in person, like quote unquote in person? Well, it would, it would just be like, like we would just sit on the on the stage or something, and we would yeah. do a live commentary, or whatever. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That just I was think oh, watching the movie. I was like, God, this is I like I can't talk about this movie enough. It's so weird. But let me pitch you the five hundred dollar rewrite of this, which is like. It, it, all we're doing is adding some narration and slightly tweaking a couple of later scenes. This is the movie opens with Lithgow as the executive, but he's not a toy man. He's a movie maker. And the pitch is from Dudley Moore. Hey, I'm an elf. I worked for the North Pole. I'm getting out of there. I can tell you the whole story of the real Santa Claus and we can we can we can make a movie that tells like the real story of how Santa became Santa. I was there, I saw the whole thing. And he starts telling the story. We switch to the narrative you see for that 45 minutes up until Dudley Moore leaves. And then build in the second half where Dudley Moore is like, you know, gallivanting about and doing all these things. It's like Sant, it's not Christmas too. It's like Santa too, right? Because he's like, I have the magic and I do it. And then the movie culminates with Santa like coming in wrestler style to save the day. Like, by God, that's Chris Kringle's music. He's coming to deliver the toys for all the good girls and boys. And then you have him like, you know, Lithgow sees the error of his ways. He has like the meeting of Christmas business because so is there Lithgow, is just does, does Lithgow then also. Is he still a toy man in the version of the movie that they're pitching? I I don't know. Maybe I, I lost the thread a little bit there, but like maybe like you probably have to have it not be Dudley Moore wants to get like maybe maybe I mean, obviously I, this is not perfect. Maybe the, the conflict at the end part needs to be slightly different. Right. But even if even if you even if that doesn't work, which it doesn't clearly as I'm talking about it, but that's fine. Even well, if it's you, just narration, you ran out of ink in that pen while you were yeah. re- while you were signing your name. 
Right. Well, I well because my idea was like, let me change it without changing anything, and then I realized it doesn't work. But the even if you just slapped a narration over it of like Dudley Moore is telling this story, and then it fade like at one point it fades into Dudley Moore telling the story into John Lithgow's office after forty minutes, and it like even if it's even if it's just that right, you change nothing. Take up forget my idea. It's like it's not a movie. It's the same story. Dudley Moore leaves North Pole is pitching this. He's talking to John Lithgow, and he's like. Paul, how do I know you're real? Like, how do I know the story is true? He's like, well, I can tell you the whole story of Santa. And he's like telling us all this backstory. And then like, maybe you have Lithgow interrupt him once or twice during the story to do something, which the audience is feeling, which is like, can we get to the point already? Why are we Uh in the 12th century? Like what go faster. And then we get to the eighties more quickly, uh, leading to the fade out of, the backstory of Santa into the scenes in the end where it's like Dudley Moore explaining what he wants to do. And then he makes the magic lollipops and blah, 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 blah. And we have the rest of this movie that lets you cut 15 minutes out of the Santa 45 minute origin story movie. I agree, but I have a suspicion. I have a suspicion and I can't prove this. I could not find it anywhere. This feels like two different scripts that were smooshed together to make this movie that maybe it was a TV special and and then I something else, that. or it was a TV special that got added onto, or like a TV special that got glommed onto, or it was two distinct movies, one about Santa and one about the Dudley Moore thing that gets smooshed together because there it's genuinely a forty five minute movie about the origin story of Santa Claus that an, ends and then it becomes a forty five minute movie, an hour movie, maybe this fi- movie is an hour forty five. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's it's honestly it might be closer to an hour of the Santa origin story and then the forty five minute movie, but it's bonkers. Like nothing of note happens in the first forty five minutes except winks to the audience about stuff they know about Santa. And also, like if you're making this movie for children, why is it so boring? Right. Like in the Santa Claus with an E at the end, the like the clause in a contract. Right. It's whimsical and like and and imaginative and magical and they get to the toy shop and it feels like like a kid in a candy store. When we see the workshop here, it feels like an industrial for like this is why you should work for Santa Cor. See, I see I I, I disagree. I I I didn't feel that way watching it. I got the same sort of like, oh man, it looks like it's built out of wood and that's kind of whimsical and magical. And there's all these like, the whole set design really reminded me of Killer Clowns and it's sort of like homemade charminess, which to me feels like the elf workshop. Like they probably did build the workshop themselves. And you know what I mean? I didn't hate the workshop. I think it, it felt very boring, which maybe, maybe in 85, this isn't boring yet. Like, there haven't been that many interpretations of yeah. this workshop, but like to, in twenty twenty, yep, we've had a hundred thousand. So like this, the set for this look for Santa's workshop looks like the Once Upon a Christmas Time parade in Disney World, which you can easily YouTube if you haven't seen it. It all has this like carved out of wood feel to right. it, but like it just didn't have the like whimsy to it, like intricate spirals or like weird or like things are made out of building blocks because it's cute i get what you're saying yep it's not tinker toys it's like wood yeah it felt more like yeah exactly i i i would say that most people at this time and frankly even in the current time have a lot of their santa stuff shaped by those rankin bass specials so the claymation mm-hmm, mm-hmm so that's probably like what the general public is looking at 
at, at the time of this movie coming out. That's true. That's probably what people are thinking. But let's start talking about the plot, and we'll, we'll get to some more of this stuff and, and, and what have you as we go through. So we start with some creepy singing children. God. It's worse than the children <laughs> singing in Jaws, The Revenge. No. <laughs> yeah, that's the the Bahamas one in the, at Christmas yes. time. Yeah. God, it's bad. I think this movie wanted to be a musical. Like, it feels very musical. Yeah, I could see that. I love and hate simultaneously that it starts with just, we're in the middle of this action. We have no idea when or where we are. Well, we have it's an idea snowing. of when, because they're all wearing, like, like furs and, like, okay, yeah, like leather yeah, with, fair. like, the, the big wide stitching. It looks very Viking. Right. So we see this man who is, in the story, a mortal man who has nearly magic powers, basically. He's able to deliver all these toys, and no, they make these jokes. I don't think he's mad. Because he, it's just this village and the other village, it seems like. But someone makes the comment of, how does he have time to do all this? And they go, well, he just seems to make it. He's an old man. He's not working. He, no, the, the implication is that he has, like, an actual job in the village, plus he makes all the toys for the that. children. Because also, he's, like, ma- what, is late 60s, probably? Yeah, about that. So he's, I don't, I don't imagine he's in, like, in Viking times. He's, like, has a job. No, oh, I just get the impression, like, even if you, even if you're right and I'm wrong... It's like a couple hundred kids, maybe? It's a hundred kids in each village, say, or two hundred kids in each village? That's a lot of wood carving to be doing. I I think it looks like he makes about 150 toys. So, I mean, when you're carving wood by hand, say, if you, say you take two days to carve each of those things out of wood, that's your whole year, and then you gotta deliver them all. That's a big project. Like, the mail, the mail delivery part of it is difficult. I, I think they're flirting with he's magic before he becomes I Santa. Because he just, like, rolls up in his sleigh with his wife, and, it, like, opens the bag and, like, hands out his splinters to all the kids, and then he's like, I gotta get to the other village on the other side of the forest. I got that it was just like these two villages because he's he lives near them. That's what I got. Maybe I didn't get magic. Maybe the way they talk about him sort of reverentially of like he just sort of seems to make time and he does so much gave me a little bit of this man might be magic. But uh, he's riding in the sleigh with the missus and he's like, oh, they love their uncle close. And it's them like with a couple of reindeer clip clopping their way through the snow. Um, Poor live reindeer. Yeah, it's a hundred really good reindeer were, acting, though. Yeah, but a hundred percent they were abused. I hope not. I, you don't know that. But like, looking at the way that they made them walk, and like how like tired they looked, like I don't think reindeer can act tired. Like I don't think, like <laughs> you know what I mean. I I I thought that they tranquilized them, which I think <laughs> falls under the abuse umbrella. <laughs> I guess, I like guess. If, or if, maybe, like for actresses, giving an actress quaaludes <laughs> so that she'll be like calm, to, calm for her scene is abuse. Agreed, but maybe it was cooler than that. And like Dudley Moore, John Lithgow, and the reindeers went out to the uh, <laughs> they the, jingle the, all the way, the stable, and they smoked a doobie. Oh, not that was thinking drinking. I'm fine with that too. Maybe they had a couple of beers. 
Uh, anyway, I hope these reindeer were not tortured and abused. That would be really bad. But uh, Santa, his wife, and his two reindeer die. I think. <laughs> so I just watched this movie on Hulu, which I thought was going to be a little more exciting, despite the premise. It's called Centigrade, and it's it says it's based on a true story, although I think that's Fargo style based on a true story, which is to say bullshit. About two people who get trapped in their car for multiple weeks, and it's about them being stuck. Uh, they're in like one of the Nordic countries where it snows like ten feet. Oh, so they're snowed. In. I was like, they couldn't break a window or open. No, a they door. like they they they're. It's really snowing bad, and they're we don't know. Like they talk about this in the opening scene. They wake up in the car, but it's the two of them. She's an author on the way to a book thing, and he's her husband traveling with her, and they pull over because it seems dangerous they're having trouble seeing and they wake up and the car is just covered and they can't get the doors open oh that's actually kind of cool i thought it was a neat premise the movie uh is a bit of a dud uh centigrade but the this reminded me very much of it of that <laughs> they die first of all in the movie uh it takes much longer for anything to happen but in this one they die instantly it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> santa and mrs claus apparently have boots i think that it's they negative 100 degrees celsius <laughs> The other explanation that makes sense is all of their clothes are very wet underneath, like, a dry parka. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's the only other explanation I can think of. They went on a water ride, went in to warm up, and then Santa's like, it's time to go deliver the toys. And then they left and froze to death. He doesn't have a German accent in this movie. (laughs) I appreciate uh, it. But he this doesn't Santa have one. feels he feels that he sh- I feel this character in this movie should be German accented. I agree. Uh, we get a really nice but yes. map painting. Speaking of <laughs> yeah, clowns, we do. There's, there's some, some great, great map paintings, paintings all over this, and some great effect work. I mean, obviously it's the '80s, so you can see the haze around it all. But like right, the magic right. sparkles and all. Like this movie has some charm to it, and it's got some nice magic effects. It's just tedious. Like I said, if you listen to the words that come out of my mouth about this movie, you'd be like, oh, you really liked it. And I really did not. But I liked almost everything in it. I liked 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 aspects of it. I liked most of the performances. I liked the set design. I liked the effects. The music's pretty good. There's a lot of cool stuff in this movie. But man, is it a huge, boring bummer. Yeah, it's a big swing and a miss. Well, did you know, did you see who the uh, first choice to direct was? I didn't. Was I'll give Tim you Burton? one guess. You'll never get was it. it but Tim, was it Tim Burton? No, it was John Carpenter. What? I feel robbed. That That is insane. But he wanted Final Cut and he wanted to do the score. So they went in a different direction. <laughs> oh, my God. That that's this is two, three years after The Thing, and they're like, you know who's good at directing cold pictures? John Carpenter. Yeah, it's, I don't, that is, seems like a weird choice for your Santa Claus movie in 1985, based on his trajectory wow. thus far. I gotta figure out if he's ever talked about that. If, if uh, we're gonna have to, go, don't have to go dig in and see if I can find an article about that. They what also said who thing. his first choice for Santa was, but I'm forgetting that now. Kurt Russell. No, I wish. Uh, can you imagine in like if it was That's... like the Christmas Chronicles would have so much more like wing, so much more, you know, footing now. Yeah, it'd be Jack Burton as Santa Claus be a hoot. <laughs> so they get resurrected. This is the there's a quick resurrection of both Santa and the reindeer shortly after they die because the elves travel down to Earth and resurrect them. 
again, you wanted to make the movie to answer children's questions about how Santa Claus came to be. And you thought earnestly that the best explanation to give children was Santa and his wife died in the cold with their reindeer and got resurrected by magic. That's what you thought was the best. This brings up the same sort of horror realization of One Magic Christmas, because in that movie, all of the angels are people that died and then get conscripted into toy making for all eternity. This this man's job is difficult. Yeah, the elves in One Magic Christmas are former people. I don't remember that. It's been a minute. You said I, angel, I, you it, said angels make toys, so I got I was like oh, well, I was oh, like yeah sorry, angels right, are always dead right. people yeah 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 no no sorry you are correct um, thank you but but in this version of it so Santa is basically conscripted into a forever job because there he, was a prophecy but he is not only the guy who has to deliver the toys which is a difficult job he's also in charge of the business. Like, he has to make sure the factory runs. He has to negotiate the deals with the elves. foreman, CFO, and also... Chief delivery man. Yeah. It's a lot of jobs. But that's that's a really dark version of the Santa mythos. he's He's been forced to do this for multiple centuries. Yeah. It's way less sad if it's a magical being who just sprouted into existence. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess because I know that the version of Santa Claus that we know today, that like the classic suit with the pants and the everything was basically invented by Coca-Cola, I think, in the 40s. The time frame is perhaps off, but the rest of that is correct. Yeah, it's yeah. basically Coke ads. So like. I think that visual could have worked for like, oh, show like, I don't mind seeing Santa through the centuries if it's a quick five minute montage, but like you could show his outfit changing throughout, like in the 14th century, he had the long robe because like that was the big um, Santa look for a while that like Père Noël in France kind of yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that would be really interesting. And I also think there is a fun Santa movie that may exist made somewhere else, but I've never seen it where Santa has to... They touch on this a little bit in that Arthur Christmas animated one, but there's not been one that sort of has Santa swapping in outfits to match the cultural depiction of him and wherever he is. Oh, that's Which fun. I think would be... Yeah, like a really interesting thing. They talk a little bit about it in the Arthur Christmas where it's like they go to Jer- – that movie has it where the elves do a lot of the delivery and they have like we're in Germany and remember the gifts go in the shoes here. And they like – you know, they're putting the gifts in the shoes like acknowledging the cultural traditions around the world. Yeah, it is. But I think that could be a really interesting Santa movie where they're not – it's not just like American Santa and sometimes British Santa but also <laughs> what's what's Santa look like in Mexico or in the Caribbean? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. You know, that kind of stuff could be interesting to me. Well, if frankly, you're Santa I movie. want my La Bafana movie. <laughs> why has she not had a movie yet <laughs> i mean it will certainly happen in the next six years given how starring scarlett johansson <laughs> anything that's an intellectual property is getting purchased in mind but the other so the we get dudley moore introduced here and he is the head elf in charge of of 
something or other made me think of that time when for like two years we decided that russell brand was just going to be dudley moore which is a a fun thing for yeah american cinema it's like oh this guy's a little bit like dudley moore yeah you're right he's like dudley moore well we're just gonna make him do that what no like there's a world in which arthur makes more money and this movie got remade with russell brand (laughs) absolutely that's that's a thing so the, the they the uh the Klauses get introduced to their new world, and I don't know if you caught this, but the little group of elves who is giving Santa and Mrs. Claus the tour are kind of giving Mrs. Claus the eyes. Like, well, she's one of them says, like, oh, you're so young and beautiful. Yes! <laughs> they are, it's like, they want to get Santa and Mrs. Claus here on a full-time basis, also because there are no women elves. I was going to say, I was like, yeah, look around. It's a Smurf situation. <laughs> exactly. She's Smurfette, and she's getting as much elf action as she wants. So I They guess- have some cool forced perspective shots in this sequence as well, where we're, like the elves are kind of scattered about to look different sizes, which I, I yeah. enjoyed. And this well is done. when you see that workshop we were talking about, that it's all wood and, and you know, looks toy-ish. So I guess there was just no Santa before the 12th century? That's basically what this movie says, yes. And then also, the naughty or nice list didn't come about for a few centuries after that? Like, Right, it was like, they in seen, the beginning, everyone got a toy. This movie made it seem, because I want to say those kids look Victorian. So those kids are like 1900s? No, about there, 1890s, maybe? I should say. Yeah. So from the 12th century to like, I'll say, we'll say 1880, just to get benefit of the doubt, every kid got a present. And then... And then all of a sudden Santa was like, you know what? No. The other thing that I love is they don't give that idea to Santa. They give it to Mrs. Claus. So she's the mean one. Well, I mean, girl power. <laughs> but yeah, it's basically. Is that the plot oh, that Christmas kid- Chronicles 2 that Mrs. Claus is secretly like the head in charge? I'm not I mean, I'm probably not going to watch it because it just yeah, looks I- unwashable. Yeah, it just it's like you made something that was harmlessly watchable is what i would call that first movie i don't even i don't think it's cute i think it's almost cute is my personal review of it it's it does the things that audiences generally think are cute without the sort of charm required to get them all the way there but it's saved because it's kurt russell is my my personal take on honestly just just put more goldie in the first one and then you didn't have to make the second one because the first one's perfect I, for like between opening presents and like eat, like eating your breakfast, lunch and having Christmas dinner that like. Yeah, dead perhaps. Speaking of dead zones, the area between Goldie Hawn's hairline and her chin. What does that mean? Have you seen her face in the ads for that movie? Oh, it okay. doesn't move. Well, yeah. It's like Dolly's uh, face at Christmas in the Square. Sorry, it is a lot of plastic. <laughs> love her, love her to yeah, death. She yeah. is a queen and a goddess, and that's be- that's her whole brand, though. Like it's her whole. That's like she, her her constantly doing surgery to herself is basically the Dolly Parton brand. Yeah, I've also heard it rumored that Dolly Parton is like covered in tattoos from like. The bra down. I feel like I feel like she has talked about this in interviews that she is not covered in them, but that she has a bunch. Yeah. Christmas in the Square is a fever dream, y'all. Did you actually like it? Like, is it worth the time to watch? So I enjoyed it from I, I, I would skip through a bunch of songs because there were just 
when you write that when you have that many songs in your musical you're gonna have a few duds i actually thought the forest whitaker one that they jingle jangle looks year, great yeah i thought it looked really cool and the trailer made me really interested and then i was like why is this two hours long and found out it was a musical and my interest went down about 45 percent isn't don't they dance in the trailer they Dan- there is a musical number in the trailer, but there's a big difference between a Christmas movie having a musical number, which I think is honestly shockingly common throughout the genre, and there being, or like a big song portion of it, and there, the um, the movie being an outright musical. That's true. Yeah. The op- like I- even... Even as an example, Jingle All the Way, certainly not a musical, but it has a huge musical or a montage set to a musical number that's like a, almost the whole song. I would, I mean, that's a montage. I, yeah, I'm not saying it's one to one, but it's like it's not surprising to have a big music portion of your Christmas movie. Yeah, Elf I, I, has the big sing at the end. It's enjoyable. It's it's diverse and it's fun, but like it is a fever dream because it's got so many great stars in it. The opening number is a bunch of like ah. Uh, maybe a hu- 50 to 100 trained dancers doing a full choreographed number on a backlot town square. I love the backlot feel of this movie. As they're dancing, Christine Baranski is just walking through handing out eviction notices, being like singing about how you you have to leave, here's a check, here's your eviction notice. And it ends with her fucking SUV pulling away and it drives past and you it reveals a, it reveals a like radio flyer wagon with three puppies in it with bows on it and there's an eviction notice pinned to the wagon like that's the movie you're watching okay the Uh, pastor's a bad actor i'll just say that hot take he's terrible the The pastor pastor. in the movie cannot act his way out of a paper bag at this point it's revealed that santa and mrs claus really wanted to have a kid but couldn't and then one of the elves is the response is, well, you have all the children of the world now, which is not really the same thing. So, like, I I don't hate that concept. I don't like this execution, but I like the idea that, like, Santa, you know, they wanted to have a kid, and instead of having a child, I would rather it be, I guess, again, the forced servitude. I would rather it be like, well, we can't have children, so... Or the origin story should have just been, we can't have children, we're going to provide for the kids that, that are needy. And then from there, it just blossomed in more and more and more. And like now we provide for all the children of the world. You really only need to make a small tweak to make it less bleak where he's been conscripted into this slavery for all eternity. And that's they die. And instead of them just whisking him to the North Pole, you have this Burgess Meredith with the giant beard character come forward carrying the God, Santa suit. It, I, yeah, we'll get there because it's momentarily anyway. But you have him approach the two of them and say, like, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. You've died. You were someone we had our eye on upstairs watching, you know, at the North Pole, watching what was happening on down the rest oh, of the I thought planet. you were in heaven. No, I think I, I mean, I think I, I think I, that was where my brain went. But that's that's I would rather it be an angel like a clearance. And then they're like. Is there anything, like, any last request before you go to heaven? And Santa's like, well, I would like to provide for children. And they were like, well, I guess we can finagle this one. So that's it. I was going to 
I, that is one way to do it, but they keep talking about this prophecy. So you could have Burgess Meredith walk out and say, our prophecy is of a man who travels the world giving toys to all the children in it. You seem like a perfect person to do this job, but we have to warn you, this is a lifetime choice. Like, yeah, and, like and you aren't real. Prophecies, it's eternity. Prophecies aren't really known for being casual. Like, they're not known for having a... Tr- like, anytime you get there's a prophecy in something, it's not like... Do you want this prophecy to be about you? Like, it, well, this is. Your I would prophecy. argue that I would argue that most prophecy only works that way because the people in the narratives around the prophecy are trying to force a person into it. The prophecy in Harry Potter could have been applies to both. Yeah, and that's two different people that you could apply the rules to. So I think a prophecy is as much bullshit as you want to assign to it. It's like astrology. Like, some people just like to look at it, but it's yeah. written vague and generically that anyone can get something from it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, prophecies in general are, I mean, they're a fiction thing. But yeah, they're normally, like, this is ascribed to one person. I super don't need there to be a prophecy around Santa Claus. Right, but I'm just saying, like, if you're going to go prophecy, it go could contract. make him be an active choice. Like a the contract? Santa Claus. That's, the San- <laughs> that's why it's called the Santa Claus. Yes, I'm aware. I'm, I, I, thank you for explaining a 25-year-old joke to me as if I don't understand it. So just do a contract. Meanwhile, Dudley Moore introduces Santa to the reindeer and shows him around the, what is the word? The barn, the stable. I keep wanting to come up with a word. Okay. I've, I was yelling at my brain, not you. I was like, I can't come up with this word. I mean, reindeer live live in a house. Yeah. So the, the, the barn slash stable is also where Dudley Moore sleeps and also where Dudley Moore invents his inventions, which are numerous. But also I don't understand why they were like, you know what? We have six reindeer. Santa died with two reindeer to make eight. Why? 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 <laughs> you know what you could have done? Santa has one reindeer and he calls him Rudolph. Not a red nose, but like, just do that. So that way there's eight at the North Pole already. Sure. Yeah. Fine. I also don't get why in the end, two ha- two got the flu. Wait, what? At the end of the movie, they're like, two reindeer have the flu, so you'll have to fly with six. And I was like, is this a budget thing? What are we doing? (laughs) So I actually thought that was kind of funny because I was uh, recently I had uh, Xbox Game Pass, which is kind of like Netflix for Xbox. I I have the PlayStation version. Okay, so you can download games and play them and, and like sort of try them out and then get rid of them. And there was this Lego-ish, it's not licensed by Lego, but it's very Lego adjacent where you build vehicles and drive or race them or whatever. Oh, and I kept I kept adding things onto things and then I would make them too big to do the dumb stuff I was doing and they would just sort of explode, which was satisfying to me as a player. Yeah. But I was thinking about that game playing or watching this where it was like oh yeah you got too many engines on there if you have six engines <laughs> instead of eight you can do the super duper looper you got you got too much power but you gotta you gotta back off the power to weight ratio <laughs> <laughs> so i was like this perfectly jives based on my very extremely niche experience N- yeah no uh but I, this is the part where it really starts to drag because they're like slowly and laboriously explaining to Santa what Being his Santa job means. is. Right. Even though he's and the first. 
Right. They're just telling him the prophecy. But this is the worst for me personally as an audience member. The worst scenario to be in is I know something the main character doesn't and it's taking them forever to figure it out or learn it. I just, it's torturous. I hate that where, you know, you know who the killer is and, and it seems it's, you had a good inkling and then you get the definitive proof and then they, the main character doesn't know. And so they're just sort of spinning their wheels and you're like, yeah. just figure it out. Well, you, you know what movie did this well? Noel. Yeah, I would say the so. The first 10 minutes of that movie are, is Noel putting Bill Hader through training to become Santa, which like, we all know what Santa does, but like, right. it's concise, it's 10 minutes and it shows everything that you need to know. This is 45 minutes of that. Also, right. I mean, like I said, honestly, the f- are terrible. <laughs> they sleep in well, shifts. The elf can, they, they rotate. Be- they're like each of their beds because it looks like uh, Snow White where all the beds have names on them. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. Whatever. But then there's a scene where like they all get up and then as they walk past their bed, they flip the tri- it's a triangle sign and they flip it so that the next elf can get in bed. So they sleep in shifts. They only get sunlight and outside snow, outside weather once a year. Like this is, this is like <laughs> Jeff Bezos's wet dream. The sound you hear in the background is every uh, factory owner in America masturbating. Yeah, they're just furiously jacking it. Yeah, like I said, Jeff Bezos wet dream. Yeah, Henry Ford. And the crazy thing is, throughout history, these megalomaniac owners of things have tried to make these things over and over and over again. This is the factory workers dream scenario. And it has been basically made in this fashion in the world multiple times. And failed, right? Yeah, eventually. But for a while, this is how people are living. But yeah, this is this is tor- like this existence seems the worst type of prison sense that you mm-hmm. can never see the outside. You you're forced to work 16 hours a day on your only break is sleeping. I guess maybe they don't work 16 hours. Well, we also, don't we don't know if, what the elves deal is like. Are they forced into this? Right. Santa is, but we don't know about them. Uh, we get a long, long bit of. Oh, Santa doesn't look good in green. The shoot, the, what color should the suit be? Oh, the suit should be red. Yes, I think red would look marvelous on Santa. And it's that just, it's like, how many times can we underline this thing? I mean, I Do thought it was cute. Get it? I thought it was cute, but I didn't think it was cute that the one gay elf was the, was the sewing elf. I mean, that was the least surprising thing in the world to me. But like, I was like, really? That's, that's the route we're going to go? Because also like all these elves and that's the gay one there's one the uh the suit color joke didn't bother me the first time it bothered me like the sixth time that somebody commented on the red being the right choice it was like dudley moore says red mrs claus says red that should be the end of the scene we don't need each individual elf to react to red as a good idea for santa's suit and okay how it will that's make fair. his cheeks pop that's what i'm talking about it's like yes we get it yes we got it we i swear the children in the audience will get that santa's suit is supposed to be red i swear you're right um i did like that his suit the piping the fur piping on his suit isn't pristine white it's like it probably was real animals um but like how like an- real animal fur has variations and like has some dark spots yeah. in it and it looks organic and it, that's what his is it's very what it's white with gray tinge and then like black spots and it's really cute 
I think all of the costumes are cool. Like, I think the I, elf costumes I read like elves to me. I don't get so many polka dots. The polka dots read clown to me, not elf. M- Mr. and Mrs. Claus in polka dots is a weird choice. I will give you that. But I think most of the outfits that the Clauses wear and the elf costumes are cool. Well, I think the, I mean, the elves also are in a lot of polka dots. That's fair. I don't remember Dudley Moore in polka dots, though. Uh, he might not have been, but a lot of them. And I was like, po- okay. polka dots, like, because it's like yellow and orange polka dot, which always will yeah. be circus clown to me. Yeah, no, that's fair. At this point, we're introduced to this conveyor belt manufacturing thing that it looks like it turns poop or puke into gold. I can't quite understand what they're creating. It turns here. something into magic dust that makes reindeer fly. But is it a food? You are is asking it, it, me, and <laughs> the only knowledge I have is what the movie provided. I mean, it just looks like poop or puke, right? It's just loose, wet, food-like chewed particle things. I don't remember that. I remember it being like, mo- it looked mossy. Or is that the end product? The end product is sort of mossy and sparkly gold. It, the end product sort of looks like if you had a big sort of malleable mound of fool's gold. Py- pyrite? Yeah, pyrite. I think it's called. Yeah. If you had a big if you had a big piece of pyrite the size of say Oh, uh, I a I remember it being like it looked like shreddy moss you might feed to an animal mm. covered in gold glitter. Maybe. It, it, I, it looked malleable to me, but moss would be malleable too. So that's that's just as good a guess as any. I also really like uh, at this point we see that the <laughs> workshop has a dome at the top, like a football stadium that mm-hmm. could be opened or closed. The one time uh, a year that they get to see the outside world. <laughs> Have you ever seen the stadium in Atlanta, the fairly recent football stadium? They call no, it- is that the one that Lady Gaga did the halftime show at? Where she like she didn't uh, actually jump down from the top, but like that's what the video was. I'm not sure that the Deadspin called this stadium Megatron's butthole because it looks like a Transformers derriere. Oh wow, yeah, no, that's an aperture butthole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's uh it's something alright. Oh boy. So this is Santa's first run. The movie decide, like, I want to know, like, if you're going to bother explaining everything, explain what makes the reindeer fly instead of this, like, season's greetings is here. What the fuck is season's greetings? That's a greeting. Last I checked. (laughs) That's something you say to people. They do explain how the reindeer fly, and it's that they manufacture this magic dust through but some like, sort of means. I want to know what the magic dust is. Oh, you you want the elf team harvesting this from the tundra? <laughs> yeah, or like, oh, we grow it in in this field is, you know, the... Oh, they grow it, all right. Yeah, wink, 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 wink. wink. Um, I guess I was in Maleficent, too. Uh, but like, oh, this is the field where like, and then just show like a square patch of like golden flowers and add your sparkles to it. That's all I need. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, if they take the time to explain everything else, why not that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, I didn't need to know that. Like, that's why Santa's suit is red. But like, why right. do reindeer fly? Gets real hand waved. <laughs> so this is the first time that Santa is ever going to do the gift delivery. And he goes out for his run. And I kept thinking this whole time, 
children and adults would be very concerned, right? If it's just I, a bunch I of was toys. just thinking that. I was like, oh, yeah. If the first time, people would be like, where do these come from? Someone so, broke into uh, he, our home. He has to be the origin of all Santa myth. So why is it like, and the other part is like, why does it become totally different in every country as to what's happening right now? And why why yeah. do all the myths differ so widely? If If truly it was Santa one, like, Eventually, there was the first Christmas that Santa participated in. He flew all over the world and did all the gift giving. How does the how does the myth fracture so much? Or is that supposed to be the point of the movie? The fracturing of myth and the like the way storytelling is changed culturally and stuff. And if so, why is it not more there? I would love this if this is going to get remade, which it shouldn't. Um, But if it did, I would want it to be a Netflix series where it could be like the first episode is like how it really happened. And then after every episode after that can be like one child saw something in their country and like spread that rumor. So like yeah. one girl is like, it was a, it was a witch on a broom. And they were like, I shut up. Uh, eat your spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's a lava fauna. Story. Although lava fauna has a, has a, I like her story. It's kind of clever. Who <laughs> she's the Italian Santa Claus, by the way. I, I, realize <laughs> I was just like, going to say, I feel like you knowledge. need to. I feel like La Bufana is pretty niche. You might need to explain to people who yeah, that is. Yeah, La Bufana is the Italian version of Santa Claus. She is a witch. She, The three wise men were, were going to Jesus' birth, and they stopped by her house, and they were like, can you help us get somewhere? And she was like, fuck off, weirdos, and shut the, the door in their face. <laughs> and then... And then I think I don't I don't remember if like an angel told her something. Something was like, "Hey, you fucked up. They're going to see baby Jesus." So she got on her broomstick and was like, flew out into the night to try and like find him. And so that's the story. Is that wait in the La Bufana wasn't Santa visited La Bufana? At the, no, the three I, wise men. Okay, I lost the three wise men in the you saying that, and I'm like, wait, Santa and Jesus? Wait, no, the three wise men were visiting baby Jesus at his birth, and they needed directions to Bethlehem, and she said no, and then so I think a spirit, an angel, something was like, hey, Jesus is real, that was real, you should fix this. So she flew out into the night to try and find the three wise men and baby Jesus, and in doing so, discovered all the other children of the world and just gave them presents to reward them. I see. Well, in this one, we play some really sad Which music makes way more Santa sense than anything launch. we get in this stupid movie. <laughs> I'm just perplexed by the downbeat nature of this song as Santa's gearing up. Like, I thought this would be the happy-go-fun time hour, and instead it's pretty somber. Yeah, I want, frankly, what I want is I want the Eye of the Tiger with Santa, like, doing, like, he has a present and he squats to put it under the tree. Like... You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, I want like yeah, yeah, yeah. Unquote, absolutely. Workouts, it should be like, fun. You mean fun? What you're saying yeah. is it should be fun to watch. He's doing yes, like yes. arm curls, but it's putting cookies in his mouth. Yeah, He's I think curl, all of the things you're curls. describing are in the Santa Claus BT dubs. That might be. I, I think you're just seen describing it in a very long time. The cookie curl, a 100 is in a movie that I have watched. I guarantee. Well, that I remember that in the in the Santa Claus, there's a CD, a cookie dispenser in the yes. I remember that yes. joke and like thinking that was the craziest joke I've ever seen as a child. 
<laughs> Could you imagine a cookie right? dispenser? And also, why does Santa need a cookie dispenser, given that everyone is already putting cookies out for him? It seems a little bit ridiculous. There's also a, a hot cocoa Keurig in his in his. See, life. the hot cocoa I get, you got to fuel up and hydrate. Yeah, that's that. I sometimes although you need if that. I'm hydrating, like if I'm like <laughs> with a couple, I'm just imagining warm like milk? doing a hard workout, which can't imagine that me. But like, be like, oh, I'm done working out. I need I need a, some electrolytes in the form of a hot cocoa uh believe it or not chocolate milk is actually a pretty good post-workout chocolate milk is not hot cocoa you can chug <laughs> well, chocolate it's, milk it's it's similar that's all uh at this point our old pal mickey from rocky burgess meredith pops up with this or long long beard the yes, original the penguin, penguin. The original penguin, this really long beard uh, that sort of reminds me of of old uh, kung fu movies. The, uh-huh. the sort of kung fu master stroking the long beard. Because isn't there? Isn't it? Um, is it Kill Bill where yes. she goes to the guy and he like strokes it and then throws it over his shoulder? Yes, yes. But uh, like, they're carrying his beard like it's a wedding train. Yes. And I was like, who it's- is this man? Who's going to have eight lines of dialogue and never and then Uber out of the movie? There were so many people that they tried to get for this part. I'm going to pull it up here momentarily, but it is a wild list. The role of the ancient elf was written with James Cagney in mind, but Cagney was weak and unable to perform it. A.K.A. he didn't want to do it. He was he was old at that time. He died in 86. So he he could have legitimately well, been unable to do it. So for Fred but Astaire, wait, 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 this wait. movie was supposed to be this movie was supposed to be in 1978, with Fred Astaire directing it. Oh, interesting. Well, they tried to get Fred Astaire to do the part, and then that didn't work. And eventually, Dudley Moore's like, oh, I don't know, sorry, I'm friends Gene with Kelly. Burgess Meredith. It was supposed to be 19, in the late 70s with Gene Kelly directing, and they wanted Fred Astaire to do that role. Oh, okay. I'm I'm very fascinated by the Gene Kelly version of this movie. That's probably I, much more interesting. He probably would have been like, "Hey, step one, cut out all this he- heavy shit. Yeah, lighten the well, load. You just it, you just need to not have an hour of nothing. <laughs> it's just the slowest start it to is a movie I can imagine. Such a dreck. So Mickey gives a really big speech about how you're the chosen one. It's very Jesusy, sort of like it's the weird. carpentry thing. It, 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 you know, you were a craftsman, and we needed a craftsman, and it's like, wow, Why? this is super Jesusy. Yeah. Also, so this brings up my question now. So the elves existed, and were like spoken of as like legends. The the Vendicum, yep. I think they called them. Yeah, because it almost sounded like Wendigo. And they were like, we're so excited. You're finally here. You're finally dead. And they show him the warehouse full of toys. When do you think they finished those? It's a great question. Like, do you think they've just truly been like, they've, they've been done for centuries and they're, they've just been like staring at this old man in a magic snow through a magic snow globe being like, die, 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 May- die. Maybe they were building the warehouse and stuff. Like the production facility got manufactured while they waited for a Santa to materialize. Cause you do have to do all the startup. Right? Well, yeah, but like, I, that, that is a warehouse full of toys. So but right. how long, like how long have they been waiting done? Cause they, they definitely are. They've been done a while. 
the other foolish thing there is as somebody who's been through many a job where a new boss comes in, new boss always wants to shake things up and sort of make things in their own image. So you're doing a lot of work assuming in this, this new Santa person oh, is not going to come in. I want that version of this movie now where John Lithgow <laughs> comes in and he's like, the, the, these rocking horses are too big, smaller. That wouldn't be the thing though because John Lithgow is like or whatever. <laughs> I cannot what believe are you he's thinking? of Progresso fucking soup. <laughs> hey, man, those checks cash just like every other <laughs> they one. They do. But it's so... The first time I heard it, I was like, is that John Lithgow screaming? Literally the screaming crazy, about soup? The crazy thing is every commercial now, and I don't see as many as I used to because I, I don't have any subscription services with ads, really, except for this podcast. The crazy thing is how every ad now is a famous person. Jason Bateman does like 62 commercials. And like every time an ad comes on, I'm like, is that this person? Is that that person? It's buck wild. John Lithgow was just there first. There was a period where KFC had a new kernel every month. And like, I don't even talk about that. Putting a putting the famous person in your commercial so people see their face and are like, oh, Jason Bateman likes Pizza Hut or John Lithgow likes Progresso Soup. That I get. Using their voice without acknowledging it's them is mystifying to me. Well, there like, what do you want to be... do? You want a Patricia Heaton moment where he's like, "I'm John Lithgow. <laughs> Enjoy for I... soup." What I'm saying is, why are you paying the Lithgow Heaton bump instead of paying like Derek, the voiceover guy with his own personal website, to do the voice? Like, it seems like you're spending all this money you don't have to. Well, there. Are, I to mean, not I think, get the I bump. think Lithgow for sure has a a voice, an identifiable voice, but I don't know if a lot of stars do. I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. Same point. Right, but they're paying Jason Bateman, who I think is a fine actor, but doesn't have a distinctive voice unless no. you're a loony like me. I feel like he was just in something, and now I'm blanking. He was on that HBO show, the ad- adaptation of the Stephen King book. I didn't see it. No, mm. blanking. I'll, I'll think of it later. Anyway, Santa uh, wants to know how he can deliver all these toys from a logistical standpoint, and they're like, "Time moves with you. Like, it will never be dark. It will be nighttime until your task is done." I think that's a good, concise way of of like, it, it, "This is just how it works." You don't it, like the the to get into the actual explanation of the how that magic functions is a little too in the weeds for well, me. So, so I was but fine like, later. With, so later, there like in a montage because they jump through centuries in a montage there's a visual of an hourglass as santa goes through christmas eve right what i think would have been a great set piece would have been a giant uh hourglass and then they're like are you ready santa and he like gets in the sleigh and they turn it sideways so that all time stops Mm, that would be cool Although then I guess it would be it would be a cool explanation. Then I guess kids can't see like the kids can't see Santa, the little Oliver kid. Right. Uh, anyway, so we get this montage of gifts being delivered and played with, and it's kind of creepy. It's it's sort of kids on a black screen holding up, you know, a doll or a pony. It's horse. V- it's very. Thing. It feels like a commercial from the nineties. Yeah, yeah, it has a, definitely that vibe. And then they they decide that you know what, in a, every version of the Santa mythos, you you mail a letter to Santa Claus. In our version, 
if you leave your letter on a table for too long, it just disappears and goes to Santa's workshop. <laughs> what? Yeah. Is there a series of elves whose job is just to keep an eye out for it or something? They like fizzle in and take it and then leave? I, I don't know. It's just so, I was like, why would you do it that way? It should be, I mean, if you want to say it disappears once it goes in the mailbox, sure, I'm fine with that. But like, it's literally on someone's desk and then it just like yeah. glitters away. We also do that thing where we have a montage, we cut, we do one scene, and we go right back to the montage, which Mm -hmm. is always really silly to me. But this is the part where Mrs. Claus says he shouldn't bring toys to bad kids, and and Santa's like, well, what if people say that? And she's like, it would be cool if they did. I'm trying to be the marketing head of this company. Why don't you let me do my fucking job? Yeah, she's, (laughs) she's the head of social media. But, like, it seems so bizarre that that was never, like... Right. That just wasn't a thing in the beginning of Santa's origins? Yeah, I, I I wanted the scene where a kid is, like, twisting the heads off parakeets and then turns around and Santa's like, Ho, ho, ho! Good job, Johnny! Merry Christmas! <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Victorian kid is torturing that cat. Oh, he certainly is! I He's a cat torturer. And, and I, I have him down as cat killer boy. In he's going to become Jack the Ripper because this is the 1890s. Yeah, for sure. And then we cut. So we have that scene that we cut back to the toy montage and there's a little boy playing with an abacus. An abacus is not a toy. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that is not a toy. That is an adding machine. It's it'd be the cool of a kid giving me given a calculator for a present and as a child. Uh, then we cut away from the montage again, and we're doing Twas the Night Before Christmas, and Santa gets all riled up about the fat joke, which well, I think is kind of great. Well, I liked it. I thought it was cute that it was like, oh, come come here, Mrs. Claus. You got to hear this. They wrote a poem about me. I was like, oh, that's kind of cute that, like, this is the first time anyone's hearing this, whatever. But yeah, like, yeah. We need a Santa dieting joke. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. They, he, they cut from Santa hearing this and being sad to just sadly eating a single stalk of celery. The plate, it, well, it looks like fennel. It looks like he has two pieces <laughs> it, of fennel, it two does carrot look like sticks, fennel. and an olive on a plate. <laughs> and they're they're arranged at 12, 3, 6, and 9, and it's then the olive so in the weird. center. It's a very odd choice. Also, the toys have a stamp that says Elf Made on them. Right. Which is, like, fine when you're doing the wooden toys, but then what happens when we get into the iPad game? The back is has the engraving. Oh, it's made by Well, elves. also, I guess, I mean, that would be bring up the question of, like, technically, that is an Apple product. So are you, if it's elf made, is it, it's a knockoff. Counterfeit. It's, it's a, a counterfeit, counterfeit product. Yeah, yeah it's, it's true. Santa is so the Instead of an apple on the back with the bite, it's a, it's a Christmas ornament. It's the round ball uh-huh. with the hook. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And same with the PS5s and Xbox, uh, whatever the new thing is called that is making their way around the country right now. Xbox next one. The next box. I, I mean, I'm an Xbox loyalist in terms of consoles, and I don't, I'm not 100% sure of the answer, so that says just a do lot, no, like, I guess. P- PlayStation about, is just numbers. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, What's the next number? Five. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Xbox was like... which. Which one is the most current? Let me just look at the highest number in the series. Done. Well, what annoyed me was that Xbox happened, and then Xbox 360 happened, and so I would refer to the original as, I was like, oh, Xbox One. I would call it that, because it didn't have a number. 
and to like you know denote that i'm i was like yeah i had the xbox one like when it first came out the controllers were the size of ham hocks and then they were like the next xbox is the xbox one and i was like what no no it's not (laughs) that was the xbox zero you see apparently this is where we see the filling up of the hourglass to sort of take us through the time that's passing. And I was flabbergasted. It's like, when are we getting to the part with John Lithgow as a go-go 80s business maniac? Because that's or in this any movie. any kind of conflict. <laughs> right. Anything at all. I, I watched this on the Roku channel, which does have commercials. And there's like maybe six or eight ad breaks throughout the movie, which honestly. Well, I watched on my laptop. That- and so it cut up. A- cut out of the ball oh the ad blocker worked i was watching on the tv and but it was nice because then i was just like flipping to other things on my laptop while the movie was on a commercial break which was a, I, like mute it and then keep you know checking uh the other thing i thought was this is the, was it a progresso soup ad ads no i wish but it would be this walmart ad that was enjoy your movie happy holidays as if like oh we're so cool we're like we bought an ad spot but we're not going to take up too much of your time and then there would be two consecutive different walmart commercials afterwards so it was like oh no you just bought a whole bunch of ads it doesn't mm-hmm. make me feel better it's not like we're so cool. We're not even going to like waste your time. I'm just going to let you get back to the movie. Just kidding. Here's a minute straight of our bullshit. Yeah. I hate that. But anyway, so it's like we're just slowly grinding our way through the centuries to get to the 1980s. And I just I'm screaming like, just get to the point. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it's why like a, we it's like a. F- it's like a full novella of the origin of Santa Claus. And then and a, it's a boring novella. Yes, exactly. I think so of it the need- way I think of like non people who aren't known for food writing a cookbook. I've never read them. And this is just a blanket statement. But when it's like, I don't know, some like fitness person or some just like anybody who just writes a cookbook. What I imagine those cookbooks to be like are just like dry resuscitations of lists of things to put together into a yeah. pot. So at this point, Dudley Moore invents a toy machine. And, of course, the machine immediately goes haywire, as it does. And then Santa meets a kid who we have already met, uh, Oliver, who's... Joe, no, he's, uh, he, I call him Oliver because he's like a, oh. like a street urchin looking... Uh, he is a street he, like, urchin. He has the fingerless gloves, and he's like... He's more newsies than Oliver, I guess, because he's like, I don't need nothing, Santa. Yeah. He's the emperor of these streets. Yeah. He's the king of New York. But uh, Santa this- gives this kid a ride, which is just insane. Well, he doesn't have any toys for him. But why? Because the kid... So that's this movie's mythos is that, like, if you don't write a letter to Santa Claus, he's like, why did those kids get presents? And Santa goes, they wrote letters. So it's the John Denver Christmas movie situation. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. But yeah. So, like, this poor homeless kid doesn't have food to eat, is supposed to find a paper and a pen to write a letter to Santa Claus. Well, this is akin to the speech that we got earlier that explained that Santa was Jesus, because if uh, in many religions, if you don't get baptized and you don't know that you're supposed to be getting baptized, you still go to purgatory or hell. So maybe that's just part of it. They're just like the real deep religious leanings of all this mythos. That's true. Maybe. We also get some gross McDonald's chewing sounds like the kid. Yeah. So this movie had had promo with Coke, obviously, because it's Santa Claus. Right. McDonald's and PBR. Which is why we get very aggressive shots of those in this movie. Yeah. The PBR I thought was funny. It was a weird choice. 
Yeah. Because, well, there's a bottle of liquor on the table, and I was like, oh, they're going to, he's going to, they're going to have like a sniffer of brandy or whatever. And then he cracks open a PBR, and I was like, (laughs) Santa cracking a PBR is like, no, it's not Santa. It's John Lithgow. Oh, yeah, Lithgow. Sorry. Yes. But Santa cracking a PBR would be a hoot. I have a feeling. I mean, I, I don't know who owns, I don't think anyone owns the copyright to Santa, I guess, but I can't imagine that like you're allowed to show actual Santa just like cracking open a cold one. I, I, I wonder what crisp, refreshing (laughs) Coca-Cola, an ice cold, delicious Coca-Cola. Santa tries to do the super duper looper, which we set up for a conflict later in the movie, which is a loop de loop with the reindeer, which seems bad all around. It's bad all around. Also doesn't. The, when it comes up later as like the one thing that can save the day, I'm like, why? This is just style points. Right. Honestly, this whole sequence is, reminds me of the Spider-Man games where you were swinging around the roofs or swinging between the buildings in New York. Uh-huh. He's like zipping all around green screen. It's pretty good looking green screen, especially for 1985. It's cute. He, get, he lets the kid drive and then we cut to oh, and the toys. Oh, we forgot earlier the rich girl, Cornelia, gave had given the homeless kid food a plate of food and a right. can of coke that she like very clearly like when oh, she yes. put it down in frame it's like this is the label and then he picks it up but he picks it up backward like he reaches uh-huh. around it so that he also doesn't obscure the coke label there is never a moment where the coke is not visible in the can she even goes so far as she like sort of places it down and then gives it like a quarter twist to make sure it's in frame <laughs> she, she right. like store managers when she's uh-huh, like turn, uh-huh. the, turn this I'm half surprised it's not New Coke. Yeah, this would be the right time frame for that. Maybe maybe she didn't think this kid needed to count his calories, given that he doesn't have a lot well, coming his way. Well, New Coke is New Coke. Was New Coke a low calorie thing? I thought New Coke was. Maybe just it weird wasn't. Thing. No, you're right. You're right. It wasn't. It wasn't. Because Diet Coke was originally one calorie or five calories, which is right. always a weird thing to me. I actually was recently reading a conspiracy theory, which was that they used new Coke to cover the fact that they were switching from sugar to high fructose corn syrup and regular Coke, which does taste noticeably different to me. And people were so happy to have the old thing back, even slightly different, that they just like didn't give a shit. Oh, so they just, they cranked out a, a you, the theory is that they would crank they just cranked out some like random shitty formula, mm-hmm. and then they're like, we'll bring it back, and they brought back yep. something something different. That they they basically somebody ran the numbers and they were like the hit will take for this and then regain for bringing back the old product is way better than what will happen if we just switch this and don't bring it back and we won't bring it back because it's too expensive to keep using real sugar except for like very special that's occasions. crazy to me that sh- corn syrup is cheaper than sugar that is way so, cheaper that is so crazy way cheaper orders of magnitude cheaper yeah. But you can get Coke with sugar in it around uh, the certain Jewish holidays. The caps are different. Yeah, they so have I the used kosher to, symbol on them. I used to occasionally buy a bottle of that because I, I like I don't drink a lot of regular. I don't hardly drink soda, period, anymore. But drinking a regular soda was something I hardly ever did growing up, uh, even. But huge taste difference to me between a sugar Coke and a non-sugar well, Coke. It's like every it, once I, in a while I'd I never drink full. I never drink regular soda. Like yeah, I'm saying, like. Never. Like once every five years or so, like a real Coke, like a Mexican Coke with sugar in it or something is something I'm like, yeah, what the hell? I'll have something sweet. Huh? Well, I, I'm just like, I wouldn't have any frame of reference for like, this tastes better than regular. If I, I if I, if I gave you two of them side by side, you would instantly know that one was worse. And that would be the corn syrup one. I would be <laughs> shocked if you couldn't tell the difference. It's pretty noticeable. 
Uh, anyway, the toys all start falling apart, the ones that came out of the machine. And <laughs> this sequence is actually really a hoot to me because it's like a, kids are on they're on sort of like scoochy bikes. What are they called? Like bikes without pedals. It's like a it's it's sort of like those weird train things, you know, when you're on train tracks and you pump up and down, but you're going. Yeah, back. yeah. They're, they're all sorts of like kid toy things. And then so like <laughs> the wheels fall off and the kid falls over and the kid's crying. And then another kid is pulling a wagon and the wagon's wheels fall off. And the kid's no, the like, handle oh, comes no. off. He, he, he's oh, going and the handle comes off. So he keeps going and he turns around and like my wagon or whatever. And a bus <laughs> just comes <laughs> flying around the corner and crushes this wagon in front of this kid who like points at it as like my wagon or whatever. <laughs> it's it's like Tom Hanks with Wilson and Castaway, like yes, screaming. Very much that. But y- they show they show you this thing get turned to splinters. It gets crushed really aggressively. It's a hoot. So they're like. So I thought. So I, I had never seen this before. I thought this was going to lead to Lithgow's because even watching the trailer, I wasn't sure what happened. I didn't with watch Lithgow. the trailer, and I was like, oh. Is Lithgow going to sue Santa? Is that what this leads to? He's like a lawyer oh. and it's like, your faulty toys are hurting our children, which I think is interesting. Like a sort of Miracle on 34th Street angle of, you know, he has yeah. to prove he's real. But no, it's not that. Oh, th- uh, The homeless kid also didn't know the names of Santa's reindeer. He was like, what are these? And he's like, my reindeer is like, no, but what are the names? I'm like, you don't. It's 1985 and you've never once heard any of Santa's reindeer. I mean, the kid who doesn't know he has to write a letter to Santa not knowing the name of the reindeer feels very connected to me. <laughs> Maybe. So this 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 leads to the movie just doing the sketch from Saturday Night Live about dangerous toys, but it's John Lithgow and it's in a courtroom instead of oh, being and, on a well, fake talk also, show. Also, you missed Cornelius slaps a girl in ballet class. Oh, that's right. Because yes. Joe, for some reason, Joe, I guess we don't see it, but Joe must have been talking about how he's friends with Santa. So some kids beat him up in an alley, a dirty alley. Yes. <laughs> it's it's the it's Martha Wayne, the Martha Wayne Memorial Alley, actually, I think. Is what it is. <laughs> a crime alley. It's that song. <laughs> What's that song? We'll beat you up if we don't hand it over. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, Father Christmas. Father Christmas, Kinks. give us some money. It's that song. He yeah. lives in that song. <laughs> but then you- I would like it. I would like it better if it was actually scored to that. Like the bit in oh. Shaun of the Dead. It's called, well, I want uh, that movie to, uh, now. Just turn that song into a movie. <laughs> Forget the Christmas shoes. That's stupid shit. Give me Father but Christmas, I- give us some money. I just want them beating up this kid in time to the song. Like that scene in Shaun of the Dead where they put on... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Fahrenheit. What's the Queen song? Mr. Fahrenheit. Uh, don't it's, stop me now. Uh, oh, and they're all taking turns. Don't stop me now. Yeah, and they're all taking turns of hitting the zombie with a pool cue in time to the music. But it's you know the Father Christmas kink song, and they're just like yeah. wailing on this kid. Uh, but then we cut to Cornelia, the rich girl in ballet class, to because right, we have to r- punch it down that like, hey, these kids are different. I would like it better if she was uh, doing dressage classes just to make it even more ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god! And then she makes her horse like kick mud at the girls. Into uh-huh, that, uh huh, exactly. But I guess yes. in New York City, where are you doing dressage? Yeah, well, upstate New York, maybe she takes a train out to the boonies. <laughs> but she's in ballet class, and so apparently this girl, although maybe she—I don't know if she's an extra or she's one of the girls, uh, like a, a professional wrestler—is uh, one of the girls. <laughs> I don't remember her name. But she's on the wiki because apparently she wrote about it in her book that she's like, yeah, when I was younger, I did this movie. 
Wait, an actual professor? You're, you're not making a joke. You're saying the no, an the actual professional who- wrestler. If you go to the wiki page, scroll to the bottom of the cast, and it says so and so is bratty girl in ballet class. She might not be WWE, but she's a professional wrestler. No, yeah, I, um, yeah, she, um, she is a retired wrestler now. But I, I'm vaguely aware of who this person is. Not, uh, I never watched the league that she competed in. Um, Actually, she did compete in the one I watched when I was a kid, but I don't remember. Anyway, okay, that's so neat. they're like Santa's. My father says Santa's a loser who's a cheapskate and blah blah blah. And Cornelia just slaps this girl. Really cranks her. I love it's, it. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but then we cut to this the scene I alluded to earlier. It's just it is just straight up the consumer report sketch. They re- kids return the toys somehow to Santa. Oh right, and they're like there hasn't been a return in in centuries or and something I'm like, like that. I didn't know there was an option for Santa. <laughs> I've never heard that return. I didn't know there was a return desk for Santa toys. I went the like like dear Santa. While I was very excited to open my present and receive a Dolly wets a lot, I was less excited when it turned out that the hose that she wets herself with was tuned more to a fire hose <laughs> and less to a weak trickle of straw. I am now blind in both my <laughs> left and right eyes, and I need well, help I'm, immediately. I'm picturing it. The toy. They go to put the toys. The toys magic because they all appear in a chimney. So I'm th- I'm picturing the kids throw their toys into the fireplace. So I'm picturing that the toys magic away and then magic right back in the kid's home with a note that's like, per the warranty, once you open the toy, you cannot return it. <laughs> it must be unopened with the original receipt. I'm very sorry, Julia, but store policy <laughs> states that you, you are fucked. it. <laughs> um, but so the Deadly Next Moore year elf, you'll get two gifts. The Dudley Moore elf like shows up and he's like, I'm really sorry. This is clearly all my fault because this was my machine and like gives back his assistant apron. And then there's a shot of Santa giving it to the other guy because duh, while Dudley Moore looks sad and he's like, he must not like me very much. And I was like, no, you literally every toy you made broke and you resigned like you. You can't be mad about this. He wanted Dudley. He wanted Santa to like beg him to stay. I guess. Yeah, I guess he. He was trying to be that 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 guy. So now John Lithgow with false teeth is. Yeah, doing... the, I don't know why they put these Gary Busey teeth <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> what are they talking? Doing I was like, here? what is with these flippers? <laughs> They're huge. You could paddle several boats with them. Yes. If you took them out, you could make a riverboat wheel with the size of these flippers. It's crazy. But I love this sequence is like, I I like it, but I'm like, why? This is just the exact sketch lifted and put in the movie. Speaking of, this is not the time or place for this sketch. Okay. So while I was home for Thanksgiving, I was watching, we were watching some SNL clips with mom and dad and we watched Eddie Murphy do this holiday baking championship sketch. Did you, have you seen this? I haven't seen it yet. Okay, it's very simple sketch. It's like the first person's cake is a disaster. The second person's cake is the famous person who's hosting. Their cake is an even crazier disaster. Like Eddie Murphy's catches on fire and starts like doing evil dead shit. And like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Like so, so they do this thing. the The next one is Heidi Gardner, whose cake is perfect, and the last one is Kyle Mooney, whose cake is sexually related of some kind. Like <laughs> it's either a penis or something like that. So that that's that's the sequence. It's like 
cast member disaster that person changes second person is the host third person side gardener fourth person is kyle mooney and then it's like you may also like this one and so we put the other sketch on i'm like oh that's cool i didn't realize they had brought the sketch back they it's almost identical the only thing that changes is the gags of like the penis shaped thing for kyle mooney what the perfect cake is and oh weird and I'm like, that's so weird. Like, this is like almost functionally. It's functionally the same sketch. It's just slight variations in the jokes. Last week, they did it again with Timothy Chalamet. It's well, because I was this- you said Eddie Murphy. I was like, I just saw the recommended the Timothy Chalamet one. Yeah, that he the identical sketch with Timothy Chalamet, except this time it was like a poop joke with the cake that Timothy Chalamet made instead of a you know Evil Dead thing. But I mean, it's the same sketch, and I was like. Weird. I guess they can get away with it because I didn't notice it you know, at the time. I wasn't like, oh, I saw this a year ago. Like, I, you know, you forget about sketch comedy pretty easily. But it's just crazy to me that that's like they're almost conce- it's like it's not a recurring sketch because all the judges are different and there's like slight variations in the setup. It's so just like bizarre. they did the sketch again. Yeah. Anyway, this is the very famous one with uh, Dan Aykroyd and uh, I will say Jean it's Curtin. slightly it's it's not the exact same as the Dan Aykroyd one because the Dan Aykroyd is literally a bag of glass. And this like, is a twenty pair full of glass, but it's it's just it's it's not a literal. This is a plastic bag of a Ziploc bag of glass with the cardboard label at the top. I guess, but it's pretty ridiculous that they're like the first, they, they make a joke in the SNL thing about something being flammable. And in this, the guy takes a cigarette and puts it up the little dolly. And then it's just like, whoosh. And the whole table's on fire. Yeah. And then Lithgow is doing the like, humana, humana, humana. I never saw that before. I'm so sorry. And then the next one is a teddy bear that the guy wrenches the head off. And it's just full of glass. R- nails, broken glass and sand. It's a bear of glass. It's bizarre. Uh, elves can teleport, apparently. Yes, he teleports right into dirty New York City. Grimy. Dirty New York City. <laughs> Jason takes Manhattan dirty. Yes. Um, uh, and, and he this he's is an ad for John Lithgow, and they're all pull all the stores are pulling the toys out of the windows because they're unsafe. <laughs> so he's like, yeah. "Wow, those toys are flying off the shelves. I must go to this factory." Yeah. So he magics himself into the room, his, like, office, and when Lithgow sees him, he starts, like, teleporting around the room, and Lithgow's like, I don't have time, you're crazy. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very silly. If All you have to do, too, is, like, the smallest of rewrites, which is, what? Get out of my office. Oh, no, I'm actually a magical elf. Yeah, okay. No, really, I am. Poof. What? Oh, I guess you are a magical elf. Do you want okay, me to get out of, I'll story. get out of your office. Poof. Right. So they broker a deal. To we were an hour and ten more. minutes in, and we are yes. now getting some kind of conflict. And it's not even yeah, there yet. It doesn't even lead to the conflict you think, which is like Dudley Moore is trying to replace Santa, because that's not it. Dudley Moore is like, I'm going to make one gift and give it the same thing to every kid. And I'm even even his plan, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. He's like, I'm going to advertise. And I was like, oh, so you're, it's going to be a giveaway? And then they they do an ad, and then Dudley Moore creates a flying car so that he can Santa and deliver all these lollipops. And I was like, then why did you advertise in the first place, Dudley? If you're just going to drop it off at a doorstep. Well, because you need to advertise so that you get the credit for it. 
Oh, maybe. Because otherwise people just assume it's Santa and Dudley Moore is like trying to prove to Santa that he still has value to the corporation. This movie is actually sneakily very corporatist. Oh, it John is. Lithgow's is also, very much. I, I was looking at, I just looked at the timestamp. I was like, we've been recording for an hour and 25 minutes. And I was like, oh, right. Cause this movie doesn't happen until an hour and change into this movie. There's right, not much exactly. left of the movie. Like, John Lithgow's character is obviously a super, like, greedy, money-hungry Scrooge McDuck type, but the way that they set up uh, Santa, it's basically Santa Corp LLC. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, he tells Lithgow, he's like, I'm going to give the toy away for free, and Lithgow is a cartoon character and, like, has a heart attack. What? Yeah. And he, when he says that, like, he, he basically jizzes in his pants when Patch says, I will do everything myself. You don't, like, I'm the only worker. And he was like, no payroll. Progresso soup. <laughs> and then he's like, well, how much do you get paid? And he's like, I don't get paid. You don't get paid? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I don't know anything about money. And he's like, good. Go on, get out of here. Like, I don't understand. Like, why did we bother making the Santa movie when we could have just made this movie? We're yeah, like, it, if this movie is you take the first 45 minutes or all the Santa bits and you just throw them in the garbage and you start with Dudley Moore is an elf who tries to well, make I'm f- manufacturing I'm fine better. With this movie starting with Santa's run down once an assistant. Yes. That's, yeah, okay, fine. That's, fine, that's fine your, fair, 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 fair. You're like diving board. And then you get into yeah. the Dudley Moore and all of that. And then it just progresses in there. You cut out 45 minutes of slow dirge bullshit. Yes. Which, and like, the real killer of it is, who could possibly care? Like, who out there is going, man, I really wonder how Santa became Santa and, like, how the reindeer, like, maybe how the reindeer fly is one that kids do ask. Fine. That's a real question, but that doesn't get answered. But, like, why is Santa's suit red? I don't know, and I don't care. Like, that seems irrelevant. hes It's a red suit because that's the most eye-catching color. Right. Or he just likes red is also an acceptable answer. Like, you know, if like, like I, I think about this stuff as in, like, if a five-year-old walked up to me and asked me the question, like, why is Santa's suit red? I, my answer would be because that's Santa's favorite color. And that would be a perfectly satisfactory answer. Do you? <laughs> Were you around? So, um... Our mom puts out Christmas decor. Every <laughs> You're going to tell a story about me. No, I'm not. Of course I was around. Okay. Well, then we had very similar things happen to us, I think. Go ahead. We'll have to go. And uh, there were, if there's, she has a ceramic nativity from Lennox. And then yeah. she has, uh, I think it's like Fisher Price or Play School. It's like little kids like for playing with, but it's a nativity scene. And so our very young cousin's child or whatever, niece, whatever you're going to call that. Uh, was playing with it and so i was on the floor playing with you know the donkeys and all the stuff and she was like it's very clearly like a barn because it's a nativity scene and right. she was like who's that and i was like that's jesus because that's the answer to that question <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and then she i was like it, it's it's because it's a little baby in a in a pile of hay and she goes why is he sleeping in a pile of hay and i was like you have reached the limit of my knowledge on this i was like i don't uh, I was like, because that's where he's sleeping. 
And mom, maybe did. I've Mandela affected this, but I have a distinct memory of also one of our cousin's children going through this with you and like doing my best to explain the story. And then at one point turning to mom for confirmation with something and her being like, Oh, are you like, are you messing with them? And I was like, no, I'm trying yeah. to answer a question. No, <laughs> like, mom was like, Andrew. And I was like, I, that is baby Jesus. And that's where he's sleeping. Like, I don't, I have nothing beyond that, but that's it. Yeah. I think you man, cause that's my story. I, I might've Mandela affected, but I like my memory of it is like that exact sequence of events covering a mom being like, Hey, like, what are you telling that kid? And I was like, the real story to the, the best of my ability. I got, <laughs> that's, that's Jesus. And he's sleeping in the hay. Yeah, I remember, I remember, maybe I just Mandela affected him. Yes, I, I do recall that, obviously. <laughs> Mom is listening, screaming, and screaming yeah, at her. Yeah, for right sure, now. for sure. They also reveal now, because the whole time Cornelia, the rich girl, her nanny or whatever, has been talking about her step-uncle, which to me is the weirdest relative choice yes. you could make. John Lithgow's character is named BZ, and that's the only thing we get for the whole movie. Yeah, I don't that I didn't get BZ. Was it supposed to be a reference to something? I have no idea. I, I was curious if you had figured it out. No, I, honestly, this would have been a great moment for the toy company being called XS. Oh, XS yeah, that toys. Solid. Yeah. But so, yeah, they keep talking about his her step uncle. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then they do a dramatic reveal where it, surprise the only other adult man that we've ever seen in this movie is her step uncle. And they <laughs> right, dramatically right. push in on his stupid buck tooth face. <laughs> it's not just buck teeth. They're all sticky outy. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a bad veneer job. Yeah, it is. Um, also they didn't me- patch didn't explain that he was going to fly and hand deliver these lollipops. Until right. all of a sudden, there's a run like a K- evil Knievel Gonzo the Magnificent runway, yes. and a fl- and a, a blinking car, and I was like, "What is happening?" Well, we need to stop here for a minute and talk about the coolest car that you could possibly have for this specific job. It is. I it, I love it. I lo- this thing. Macy should have bought this thing and made it drivable, and it should be ahead of Santa's sleigh every single year in the Macy's parade. And I'm it's upset beautiful. that it isn't. It rules. It rules so hard. It's so cool. Well, and they even thought they were like, "Hey, gas it up!" And they grab these, you know, um, gas pumps, and the yes. gas pumps are connected to blink like strings of blinking like rope a lights. Tube. A rope light that just blinks and, gl- and glows gold. And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, it rules. It rules so much. But ju- I just love the design. It's like, how awesome would it be to have a person in an elf costume driving this thing, throwing candy canes to people down New York or City? I'm surprised streets. Disney didn't steal that. Yeah, I mean, that's also fine. Like, just su- front, it's stupid that this isn't a thing. The front is for like toy soldier nutcrackers with drums. And then yes. they lower their arms and the drums turn sideways and their headlights. Yes, it's so good. It's so good. So now it's so it's next Christmas now. It's been a whole year. Yeah, it's like he he delivers the lollipops. Lollipops are a huge hit because they make you float. And well, that's what we. So it's that's what I'm saying. It's it's next Christmas after. Oh, okay. They're delivering the 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 lollipops. Um, Santa like goes into a house and sees them already there. And I guess I'm like, so can any elf just like magic into a house? Is that how that works? 
Yeah, I was trying to figure out too because they don't show Dudley Moore deliver anything. No, he dry. He they show that he can teleport and that he his car can fly. So he, Joe goes to pick Santa goes to pick up Joe, and they fly away, and he he tells Santa all about what's what's going on with Dudley Moore. Like, oh, this guy's been on TV, and he's like telling us about this thing he's gonna bring us, and Santa like hand waves it away. And so, I, I, I mean, it is weird because they've only met for one night and we barely saw them together. But it's a cute, sweet little relationship. Right. It's just weird. Um, so the next morning, I don't know if uh, Cornelia knew her uncle was involved with the lollipop or not. Because it seems like he's pretty absent. Right. He doesn't seem to have much of a relationship with her. And also, it's her step-uncle. So, like, how close are <laughs> well, they going to be Again, anyway? why did we choose step-uncle? Yeah, I got the impression it's supposed to be that she's under her his care because her parents are dead sort of vibes because but there's like, a why nanny. Why not just make it an uncle? Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> like the phrase step uncle just sounds fake to me. Yeah, I guess to make him even more separate from her sort of like put them even further apart. But it's very strange, I guess. So her nanny is like, don't you want to bite this lollipop kid? Don't you don't be a loser. Don't you want to eat the lollipop? And she's like, no, I said no, I don't want it. So her nanny's like, well, I'll eat it then. It seems such a shame to let it go to waste. And I was like, it's a it's a it's a novelty Christmas lollipop. It's gonna be gross. Uh, or additionally, there are mm, at least a hundred days she can eat this while it's still extremely fresh. Maybe she can just choose to have it another time. Yeah. And then, like a psychopath, this nanny bites the lollipop. She goes in there like that owl. Hey, Mr. Owl, I didn't know you got a nanny job. <laughs> She's like, one, two, three. <laughs> Except she skips one, two, three. She literally pulls out and she's like, ooh, a lollipop. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then she starts she, floating. She turns the camera and she has John teeth. Lithgow's teeth in. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, these bad boys are titanium. Chomp, chomp, chomp. I can she's, I can shop through the side shark. of a house. Uh-huh. She pull she turns her head to the fireplace and just takes a mouth-sized bite out of a brick. <laughs> yeah. Uh and she starts floating like she's having fizzy lifting drink. And I was like, wait, what? Why didn't anyone mention before now that this was a thing that could happen? That was Right. That was like there was no mention that this was the intended effect. Yeah, no, they talk about it like we're supposed to know. And I was like, I'm watching this movie actively. I'm taking notes about it. And I didn't know this was going to give people the power of flight. I feel like that should have been in the ad campaign. Yeah, it should have been a big deal. Lithgow wears spats. Cause there, so there's he this does. weird press conference in his like you know conference room. And all well, these- we do need to talk about the dope montage of people eating the lollipop and flying, including a little kid who's like watching a basketball game, like licking that was the cute. lollipop. I like that one. It rolls up to him, and he picks it up and does like a Superman spear, like, you know, uh, spear-shaped fly, and then dunk. And I was like, "All right, that's kind of great. that was pretty rad." Um, but all these reporters are like. What are the ingredients? How does it do oh, this? Oh, 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 and the little kid who steals the cookies, that also rolls. There's like oh, a little yeah. boy. And then, there was, and then I guess for good measure, we'll say the last one, which was a kid, two kids holding hands behind a fence. And as they walk, you reveal that the boy is like five inches shorter than the girl. Yes, yes. Sorry. I liked that bit. I thought it was good. It was cute. Um, but all these reporters the are like, how does, like, what are the ingredients? How does this work? And then they start to be like, uh, also, I thought you were forbidden from doing anything by the Federal Trade Commission. (laughs) 
And so Dudley Moore, I'm like, oh, is this going to be drama that like Dudley Moore is like, I can't do this with you. And then he gets like locked in. No, 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 no. Why would they bother having any kind of real conflict in this movie? Even the part where it's like, Dudley Moore's like, well, I'm going to leave now. Lithgow's like, you can't leave. You need to make more candy. And it's like, it's really not that scary of a conflict. It's like, they're trying to give you the impression that he's being held against his will. And it's like, he's been an elf. But, but like, he's been an elf. He's always been held against his will. This man has never had freedom. Well, he yeah, he goes, I'm going to go back home to the North Pole. And I was like, before you go, would you make a new batch but even stronger so they can fly? And he's like, sure, I guess. Don't know why he agreed to that. And then this is the part where but, Lithgow, like, I this part here, I was like, see, I really, in, like, I've, I've liked this performance the whole way. But he's basically playing the movie studio executive that exists as a character on this podcast. Because yeah. he starts flipping through the calendar and he's like, how about March 25th, Christmas 2? And it's like zooming in on his big flipper teeth However, and his two fingers. However, I was very annoyed at Christmas 2. When it could have been Chris March. Sure. Yeah. Also good. I was like, you're going to say it's March 25th and not be like, it's Chris March. Right. Also, I feel like from a branding perspective, calling it Christmas 2 doesn't tie it to your organization. And perhaps you should have someone like Mrs. Claus around as a CMO to be like, well, actually, dearie, perhaps we make a new holiday and separate the branding a little. Or do Christmas in July. I don't know. Um, yeah. Any, any of those would be good. So uh, all of a sudden, Joe is sick and climbs a, a gutter to get up to Cornelia's room. And she's like, you can sleep in the basement. No one goes there. And I was like, or your room. Like, can he sleep on the other <laughs> side of the bed that the door doesn't see? <laughs> so she, so they go downstairs and she like sets him up in a blow up raft with some like bath towels. Mm-hmm. I was like, I thought he was your friend. This feels like you found a cat under your deck and you're like... <laughs> Your mom's like, fine, you can keep it in the basement. You're a street urchin. You don't know any better. Yeah, right? And this is where... Not that anymore. This is where John Lithgow's assistant shows up, who apparently is a doctor. The Wikipedia says Dr. Towser, and I was like... Did you not recognize this guy? No. He's the deputy from Jaws. Oh! He's the, like, dopey goofus deputy from Jaws. But he's, he's, his character is a doctor. And yes, I was yes, like, yes. I don't remember that. Um, so he shows up at the house and he's like, hey, turns out that um, the can- if these candy canes get exposed to high heat, they will explode because they're from the North Pole. Because the flying ingredient is from the North Pole, so it has to stay cold. Right. And they're like, it's like, well, the, it's like the vaccine from Pfizer or Merck. I forget which <laughs> one needs to be super cold. It's Pfizer because, <laughs> because only one hospital in my where I work can hold something that cold. Okay, so <laughs> this is the Dudley Moore version. Yeah. Uh, this is also the part I'm really glad we did Back to the Future for the Patreon bonus this month because this is just the sequence from the Back to the Future ride, which is Christopher Lloyd being like, Biff is ahead of us in that flying car and you've got to accelerate to 88 miles an hour and bump him or those candy canes will go. Yeah, that's 100% what this is. But so John Lithgow is like, how about we disappear to Brazil and leave this idiot elf to like be the scapegoat and then also and then which is joke- really good writing of this character honestly this whole dudley moore business is a fairly entertaining movie 
It's just that the yeah. first hour is torture. Yeah, skip to that. I wonder if this movie makes any sense if you just skip to Santa needs an assistant. Yeah, I probably would. You could do it as like a 45 minute TV special. Yeah. I also really like the part where the assistant wakes John Lithgow up in the middle of the night. Lithgow's like smoking a cigar and the the Jaws guy is doing these like real short sentences and Lithgow keeps going like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And finally he snaps and is like, just speak in long sentences. I'm tired of saying uh-huh after every three words. <laughs> I like that. I thought that was great. Uh, so Joe sneezes and they kidnap him. I was like, you don't know yes. how to silent sneeze, kid? This is a high pressure situation. <laughs> yeah, especially a street urchin whose life is like lived on the margins. You'd think he'd know how to stifle a sneeze. Yeah. So they stick him in the uh, in the basement of the uh, factory and Cornelia writes a letter to Santa and it magically gets to him. Right. And then this is where I just again, they're like, hey, Santa. Two reindeer had the flu, so you're going to have to fly with six only to get get to save your little orphan friend. And it's like, why? Is, it has to be a budget issue. It, it could be. I So what I thought was about to happen was, by God, that's Rudolph's music. <laughs> like, that would this, totally. I would have been, like, throw my laptop out the window mad if this movie waited until an hour and 40 minutes <laughs> into an hour and 50 minute movie to be like, Rudolph is here. There is an entire movie's worth of plot that unfolds in the last 24 minutes of this. It's yeah. bonkers. Yeah, it's buck wild. So Santa flies down, it picks up Cornelia, they go, Patch finds Joe. They fight for some reason. <laughs> Very it briefly, I, but yes. It's so dumb. Um, and they're like, we're going to fly out of here with all the candy canes. Even though Joe heard they explode when they're around heat. Right. And Joe doesn't think he needs to know that. Yeah. Although maybe maybe that's the street urchin street smarts of like he's like, oh, I have an advantage here. This guy isn't doesn't know they're going to explode. So I'll just hop out of the last second and let this guy get blown <laughs> up. I'll grab a candy cane, suck on it and fly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a genius move, actually. It could have been. Uh, the police come for Lithgow because the little girls, but the little girls like I call the police, but they didn't believe me. And then all of a sudden the police are like surrounding the building. Right, right. And John Lithgow, like, mainlines a bunch of candy canes and leaps out the window. And an ex I will say, it's excellent dummy work, but it is not a fall. It is a fly. Right. It's a reverse. I really like the... There's, like, three great dummy bits in this last five minutes here. Mm-hmm. So the the reindeer, Santa Cornelia and the reindeer are, like, racing to catch up with the car. And they're like... It's the basically the... It's basically the Padre sequence from the first Star Wars prequel. Very close. Um, all of the all of the film the like shots here reminded me of Soren. Yes, yes, very much. But then Santa's totally. like the super duper looper is the only way we can save them, and I was like, why? Because I was thinking like, oh, they're gonna get underneath them as it explodes and like scoop them up, but right. no, they loop around. They go under them, loop over them. And then are completely behind them again when they explode. And I was like, I don't. What did we do? <laughs> yeah, it's by the nature of it being a perfect circle. It is never the only way to do anything no. because you start where you began. 
or you end where you began. It's there's a movie where a character gets really mad at that, where someone keeps mixing up 180 and 360. And I can't remember what it is, but it's like a villain who eventually snaps and is like, if we do a 360, we'll be right back where we started. So the thing, the car explodes, they catch him. There's a North Pole happy ending. The kids decide they're going to stay at the North Pole for a year. Which is, like, really, really, really weird. Especially because we don't know that the girl is an orphan, although it seems like she is. No, she is. They say it. Uh, Okay. Because she's living with her step-uncle and her nanny. And her step-uncle is now, (laughs) as we'll find out momentarily, in actual space. Yeah. I was like, that is not where I expected this movie to go. So they're like, we're going to stay and live at the North Pole. And the one elf's like, well... I guess I'll have to be a teacher then. And they're like, school. And then it's like, and I was like, okay, okay. That Who is that joke for? Those children who you think that joke's for have fallen asleep an hour ago. <laughs> yes, they fell asleep 20 minutes in because they're like, Santa's boring. Yeah, exactly. No I one cares about this. Can I this have is... whoppers? <laughs> Can I go to the bathroom? And then we have Lithgow in space as the final, like, punch-out joke. Ugh. God. Yeah, it's, a, it's I, like I said, I I think this movie stinks. I was, I was not, I'm not recommending it stinks to anyone for any reason. But I thought this would be a really fun podcast, and I feel like it provided really good fodder. Oh, it definitely is a good podcast, but it is a terrible movie. Yeah, it is really deeply bad. Just, it's a mess. I mean, the first hour is so tedious and so boring and then we finally get some interesting stuff and and you know hardly anything is done with it you have some pretty solid comedic talent in john lithgow and dudley moore and neither of them gets nearly enough to do Mm-mm. uh but but there's so many parts that i really like that car is really good i like the set design most of the prop design is really fun so there's a lot to like here yeah it's just i just <sighs> It's your Christmas movie should not be nearly two hours. No, there's just no excuse for that. Your Christmas movie needs to be a tight 90. A hundred at the very, very top end. And that is only if you are like knockout funny. Right. I'm saying that as though I don't I don't know how long my favorite Christmas movies are. Actually, uh, all of them are too long. I guarantee it for the for uh, your new I, rule. I guarantee it. We, yeah, I was going to say because we just watched Home Alone. Home Alone is a full two. It's yeah. like an hour 49 or an hour 50. Home mm-hmm. Alone 2 is a full two hours long. Well, Home Alone 2 is. It's funny. I, I, It's like there are parts of it I think are really good. And then a lot of it is just a total mess. It's also way more violent. Oh, yeah. The, the traps he sets in that one are like murderous. The, they're all murderous. Yeah. I mean, so are the ones in the first one, but they're not as explicitly murderous. The second murderous. one is like, I'm going to throw bricks off the roof of a building. <laughs> Right. Well, at one point, Joe Pesci drops a whole bag of wrenches on his head. Oh, yeah. It's like (laughs) you just you just caved in a man's skull, Kevin. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. And because you weren't defending your own home, you can't use any sort of like home is your castle castle doctrine. You're going to jail for a long time, kid. Uh, But yeah, I would not recommend Santa Claus the movie to anybody. But there are some really rad parts of it uh, in terms of just the design and the pieces that make it. I'm sure there's clips. Yeah, if you really were curious, I'm sure you could find some pictures of this stuff. But yeah, what a a weird, weird, weird movie. Such a disappointment.
Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not what I was expecting based on the trailer, but uh, super fun to talk about because of how insane it was. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it and uh, would love a small gift from you if you have the time is to take a moment and review the show on uh, iTunes or wherever you get it. If you don't do iTunes, send us a screenshot and we will uh, read that on the air, even if you say something mean. So don't do that. Maybe Alternatively, if you a didn't. really great free gift is to send your favorite episode to a friend and be like, hey, absolutely. This is my favorite episode. I think it'll make you laugh. Tell two friends and then maybe they'll tell two friends and then maybe they'll t- tell two friends and it's the greatest pyramid scheme on earth because nobody gets ripped off. They all just yep. get a comedy podcast. <laughs> that's, that's that's it. It's a great free uh, gift. Yes. Uh, thank you again for listening. Don't forget to check us out on uh, Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. You can also find us on Facebook and at dissectthe80s on Twitter. And we always love to hear from you if you want to write us an email, ask us a question. Uh, it's uh, dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. We just started a new Patreon thing where we're going to be answering questions in our uh, weekly or sorry, monthly newsletter for people who are members of the Patreon. So if you have a question you'd like to see us answer, it's uh, dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. That'll be for our uh, Patreon folks who will answer those questions for you. So if you got one, send it uh, our way. So yeah, review the show, check us out online and uh, keep listening. And we'll be back, of course, no break here, uh, rolling on into 2021. Uh, An exciting month, the return of a theme month that we really enjoyed in the past. Canonuary, exploring the feature films of the Canon Film Group. And the first one up is uh, our favorite mushmouth, Sylvester Stallone, as Adrian Cobretti in Cobra. Uh, that will be slightly more than two weeks from now since we dropped this episode early. The first of Canonuary coming your way on the 11th of January. So until then, thank you so much for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.